This is the Daily Planet Special News Bulletin. Lois and Clark is our jam. We're talking about Terry Dean and Superman. We'll cover it all, at least we'll do what we can. And now, it's time for the show. Welcome back to Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman. I really should have stretched before I said that, because it's been a while, guys. But as you might have guessed, I'm Matt Truex, and I can't begin (laughs) to know what to say here after this long. Um, First of all, thank you so much to all the fans uh, that have contacted us uh, on the Facebook groups and via email uh, in the past uh, year and a half while we've been dark. That has meant the world. And frankly, it's the reason that I'm talking to you now. Um, not to say I haven't missed doing the show because I've missed doing the show, guys. Like Lois and Clark is a beautiful piece of crazy that I like to keep in my life uh, and like to talk to strangers about. Um, so I've missed doing this very much. Um, unfortunately, uh, we haven't been able to do this for a while. Uh, because uh, Mr. Ryan has been unavailable. Ryan, uh, we're going to say, is off on New Krypton for a while. Um, I still have high hopes that he will be back to join us uh, for episode-by-episode discussion at some point in the future. Um, And frankly, I don't really feel like I want to do that with anybody but him right now. So we're going to save the episode-by-episode stuff um, for Ryan's inevitable return uh, for New from New Krypton, and uh, we'll be able to fill you in on what he's been up to. Uh, But happy to report that he's happy and healthy and doing just fine. In the meantime, though, um, I thought it'd be fun to put together a different type of Lois and Clark uh, podcast for you all. So uh, we're going to be coming at you today um, with uh, a little bit of a different style, a little different flair for the show. Uh, Instead of an episode, uh, we're going to be discussing... Um, Lois Lane. Lois Lane in many of her iterations from comics to television to silver screen. And I'm going to do that with uh, the biggest Lois Lane fan that the internet had to offer, the one and only Miss Lauren Wynn. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super stoked to be on your podcast. Thank you for joining me. Like For the record, we have really just met. We've both Heard each other talk for hours on right. end for some reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> on a uh, friend of the show, uh, Zach Moore's uh, Always Hold On Smallfield podcast. And I was listening to you talk about, I think, the episode Lucy. Was that the one that you were on? Lucy, yes, I was on yes. that one. So, and just all the Lois Lane love was pouring into my ears from you. And I'm like, oh, this girl gets it. Um, <laughs> So when I thought I wanted to come back for uh, Lois and Clark, um, I reached out to Lauren and you said yes, thankfully, immediately. Uh, and here we are. So Lauren, like, what brings you to the Superman mythos initially and then specifically like, what draws you into to Lois Lane? Well, I'm spoiled because my introduction to Superman really is, in, in, my, uh, in my opinion, the best version of Lois Lane ever uh, from Smallville. Um, I was at a very, uh, yep, spoilers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was at a, a very, um, I guess, tender age watching that show. Like I was, uh, I was about four years behind. Our friend Zach, we know, was the exact same age as Clark, yeah. as he says every time. But <laughs> I was about four years. I, I, so I guess I was like the like Lucy's age, right? 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sort of. So like, you know, Lois was about four years older than me. And um, I just remember thinking that's such a kick butt, like, girl that's such a kick butt woman and like um at every stage of my life like she was there to sort of inspire me and like help me think of the woman i want to be um but you know uh i could go on and on and on why i love her but to be concise um she's kick butt for one like i said okay. um she has crazy willpower um she's crazy capable um and I, I love that she's stubborn. Like she, she doesn't yeah. uh, compromise what she wants. She doesn't compromise what she fights for. Um, and it's really inspiring to see someone like that. Totally true. So was, was Smallville kind of like your entry into the world of DC? Like, did you go from there or had you watched the animated stuff before that? Like what was kind of the entry into the, the universe like that? I forget. You know, I had seen a couple episodes of Batman the Animated Series, but okay. it's funny. My actual Batman, oh man, um, famously, I usually have the worst introduction to things. Um, <laughs> my, my first DC anything, okay. anything was Batman Robin. Um, I so, you're going to say Clooney. That's so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can never, so you can never uh, like take that movie away from me. Like I, I still love it. I, yeah, I understand that people don't like it, but I love it. Yep. Um, but then also um, the animated stuff that I did watch was actually Batman Beyond. Um, so oh. that's also like, like my image of Batman kind of also comes from that. So like, sure. I like the futuristic Batman, like in my, like, so there are things like, in my opinion, the Batmobile should always fly because <laughs> that's, I always had like a flying one and there should yeah. always be like neon lights and there should always be like clown gangs. Um, but, uh, I also saw like, at, I think the pilot of Lois and Clark when I was a little girl. Um, okay. and I remember being about like four years old and somehow, somehow I saw the pilot because um, I remember the scene where he flies her into the Daily Planet, yeah. and I, and I think this is the earliest documented like uh, case of like anxiety for me because I remember turning to my grandmother and going, "Grammy, is she ever gonna find out he's Superman?" <laughs> so I know I was like, "Oh my god, when are they gonna get together?" Um, and you know, even later, and I feel like '90s kids can really, 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 really feel this. Um, I was really into Dragon Ball Z, and there's a character on Dragon Ball Z who like. In later years, I would come to realize was literally Lois Lane. Um, that character is Videl, and okay. she dates a big old nerd who pretends to be a nerdy superhero, and like has <laughs> like you know this like weird sort of like bravado that he puts on when he acts like he's a superhero. Um, so you know, I, I have a type. Let's put it that way. Yeah, apparently, cool. So from there, from the you know, you had the little bit of DC background after Smallville. Does that kind of get you to go totally pulled me in look at everything totally. else. yeah cool especially because my fandom with smallville was really inconsistent because at first i was just like oh this is a cool like coming of age show you know mm-hmm. it was it was like it was a really cool show to watch yeah i'm um, like all before it was like heavy it was Superman, like a bona fide hit for the first yeah time. Like, everyone watched that show <laughs> yeah it was like the, it was like on the same grounds as like roswell and everwood everwood yeah. and like dawson creek dawson's creek and all that um but uh i so uh, around season, what was it, around season five or something, season six? Okay. Around so season five or season six, I, I fell off the I fell off the wagon a little bit because I was in high school and like, um, but I, I would come back and like sort of catch up every December. So I'd watch like yeah. the back half of the last season, watch the front half of the next season, and then I just won't watch it for a year. But <laughs> then I got to season eight and it was so good that I was just changed forever. Well, that's um, when she becomes Lois. Like that's when they basically exactly. move to Metropolis. And, and that's-, that's when it becomes a Superman show. And like yeah. it was so good and I was hooked. And then like, you know, I, I started um, dress, I, I start in high school for no reason. <laughs> I started dressing the way a lot of people dressed when they had presentations to give. 
Sure. Like, I don't know if you ever did that. Did you ever dress nicer when you had a presentation or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like I would wear like high heels and like slacks and like 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 uh like collared shirts and petticoats and stuff and I would feel so cool. Can we can we talk about how dorky that is? That I would like <laughs> low, low key cosplay Lois Lane. I would low key like cosplay like someone with a nine to five office job and feel so awesome because I felt like Lois Lane. Yeah. Yeah. Like seventeen years old. Yep. Which is funny. Um slight slight tangent. When I was 14, I, you probably remember this, in season four, her look was like tank top and utility jacket yes. in every color. Mm-hmm. So like I found a utility jacket from Buckle. Does anyone remember that store? I found a utility jacket from Buckle and oh, it's one of those ones that Sorry. is just <laughs> not like around anymore. It's like limited to like it's... Okay. Uh, yeah. It was next to a Claire's in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I found this jacket and like, it was like my Lois Lane jacket. And I felt super cool. So like, cool. you know, that was like a thing that was going on for four years basically, but like it had like renewed vigor when season eight came. Um, but also, so season eight, um, you know, Smallville with all its, you know, uh, intelligent language really hit the, <laughs> really hit the, uh, Superman, um, like tropes, like, uh, like they over, they almost overdid it. But yes. what's weird is like, I kind of needed that. Like, because, I oh, didn't know like all these the, like epithets. The speeding reporter, that type of thing. And right. Like I wasn't as well versed with that it. stuff. So whenever they did it, it really stuck with me. Um, also, uh, Superman Returns is a big deal for me for a similar reason, because like it's it's kind of a good way to introduce someone to Superman because like Agreed. they put all those iconic imagery in there and like iconic moments, you know, like mm-hmm. they have him lifting the car. They have like yep. the, the the flight that clearly is like super uh, um, is like a super intimate moment for Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. Um so oh, we'll yeah. get back to Superman Returns in a bit. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another thing that I have a lot of love for that a lot of people don't. But um, so yeah, Smallville season eight is really when I started becoming a bigger um, Superman fan, a bigger Lois Lane fan. And then I just, uh, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. After that, I just kind of like delved into wherever I could. Then I started watching Lois and Clark. Then I started watching the animated series. You know, revisit all the, um, all the iterations there were. Uh, that is awesome. So like, because the idea that I pitched you initially was like, let's go through kind of best ofs and you were not afraid of it. So I'm like, okay, you, <laughs> first, you can jump in here. And I think, I think you know stuff that I don't know too, which will be fun. Um, That's fun. I'm sure you know stuff that I don't know either. Yeah, this will be good. So, um, why don't we start with where it all starts and go through like comics first and foremost? Um, I have a little bit of a one-sided Thing for you so I'm not a huge fan of actually the medium of comics which okay. uh, please don't think it's like blasphemous at all no, I get um, it. personally I find reading comics a little exhausting it's, I think it's a mechanism of you use you like pull it closer to your face and then it's like so you can read it then you pull it backwards so you can look at the art mm-hmm. and like I love being able to just burn through something and like that's so jarring to me okay. um, what I typically do is which I've fallen behind on this uh, like for years now, uh, what I used to do is like just go on like DC.wikia and I would read like major arcs like Blackest Night. Um, oh my God, uh, this is, yep. Crisis. Yeah. So I, individual comics, I'm actually not super good at. Um, I've read no comics number one. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> You've read the origin. That's what's important. I like that you went back to that. <laughs> no, there was totally a, a moment in like right after college where I'm like, I love this, these stories so much and I've never actually read the origins and I read action number one and detective 27 the first the first Batman story because it's like you, you nice. kind of want that like I don't know I love seeing where these these characters kind of originate from which is why I want to start with comics too um 
Well, let's do it. I can but, at least tell you one thing I like about Action Comics number one. So I okay. have one thing to list. <laughs> um, then um, let me start with one that is like, let's, let me start with a cheat right away. And it's from sure. a story called um, Superman's Secret Identity. And I've talked about it on this podcast a little bit in the past. Um, but it follows a kid named Clark Kent who lives in Kansas, who discovers he has powers as, uh, you know, when he turns uh, 18 or whatever. This kid, though, is not quote unquote Superman. He's not like, oh, the wait, Superman I think I know about this. Of. This is the this is coolest like a book story. that came out kind of recently, right? Yeah, recently. See, I, like, I know of it. I just right on. It. <laughs> See? But it's like this kid is named Clark Kent. He lives in like picket town or fenceville or something like you know like not right. quite smallville but a smallville s thing he's been bombarded with superman gifts all his life he's never cared you know like he's never read the comics or anything like that but then he winds up with the superman powers and it kind of follows him throughout his life at which point he meets uh his lois who is lois uh chidari um, who's an Indian woman that, that he just kind of meets through a friend because like, oh, I know a Lois, I know a Clark Kent, like you guys should meet. Oh and my they God, that's totally awesome. <laughs> fall in love. It is the sweetest love story. But the cool thing is, despite the fact that both of them, like don't, they, they both probably don't even know who Brainiac is, you know, like they're Lex Luthor. They're, they're completely removed from the comics, but the love story kind of mimics, or, or at least the, the dynamic between the two of them mimics the Lois and Clark from the comics where like, he's Superman before her, but then once he meets her, there is no way he can be Superman without her, you know? And okay. it's the first time too that I saw them have spoilers, two kids and, and what that looks oh. like as they age and they move away from the city so that he can like kind of hide his identity there. And it's like, they call their home, the fortress and you know, like that type of thing. Um, but I can't, I can't stress this story enough. And the love story in it is what, like hooked me it pops up like halfway through the book but it's gorgeous and it in like realistic and and again kind of mimics what it is in the comics too without the extra that's, craziness of it that sounds perfect because actually i would say that if you're super like think that superman is kind of inherently love story right mm -hmm. like if it's not a love story then revisit what you've written right exactly <laughs> <laughs> no like, like, like batman's like a detective story superman is like first and foremost a love story yeah agreed yeah. like it and we probably should have said this off the bat like i don't think he can sustain a life of being superman without without lois in his life a to help him to like cover for him but like b he like they both kind of feed into that what that identity becomes and she becomes in a lot of the iterations, the guiding a guiding force behind what Superman is and what he can be, and his understanding throughout the whole thing. Like it's just such it's so crucial to the story. It's nuts. Right. There's oh. actually a, a writer who I'll talk about later when we talk about like different types of um, like the random adaptations of like Superman and Lois Lane. Sure. But there's a writer. Her name is Gwenda Bond, and she famously has said Lois Lane is Superman. Superman, which is absolutely true because like Superman, like. One, he's a mama's boy. He really respects women. And mm -hmm. whenever he is having a rough time, he turns to Lois. Like whenever he doesn't know what to do, he talks to Lois. Yep. So, um, sort of the same sentiment. Yeah, very cool. Well, I, if there if there's anything I can review, it's um, two ones I can review because I've read them. Though I can't go super in depth. Um, the Death of Superman and Action Comics number one. Totally. Okay. Um, the Death of Superman, that is like, wow, what an intimate story. What a story that, like, I can't actually even think, what is the Batman equivalent of the Death of Superman? I can't, like, what is the comic like, that is? 
Nightfall, I guess, when when Bane breaks his back and he has to win it back. But again, but it's you, not. But you just said, I guess, you know. Yeah, because it's so. It's not as personal a story. Like obviously, it's about like Bruce Wayne is about endurance, right? You know, and right. and he's broken, and, it, and it's just that like, you, you, no matter how hard it it takes, you got to build up and and get back out there. Whereas like Death of Superman was crushing, especially considering like they had he had just told Lois the secret a couple right. issues before that. You know, they got engaged and, and adding that on top of it. I might be wrong about this. Let me know. Yeah. Didn't DC pull their titles for like six months after? Mm-hmm. They like I, I, I forget if it was six months, but like they, they went dark for a bit and then they did the world without Superman story, which is totally Lois's time to shine in that whole thing. Yeah. But it's it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um I I, I can't say my re- my review is a little um is a little generic because I think I haven't read it since college, which is several mm-hmm. several years out at this point. Um, but you know what that has done for the entire zeitgeist of Superman, um, one of the most romantic comics out there, like tragic romantic, but um, it's it really gives you a feeling for, um, it's a real world building comic. Like it goes into the whole sca- like scope of what his death means and how people like yeah what it means to his world. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is one of two comics that I can mention. <laughs> and so we should we should mention the the scene too that just breaks my heart and that it's the lowest scene where she finally calls the Kents. Oh, it it's just the it like she's on the phone with them. She's on like a payphone, I think, because it's the nineties, and uh, saying stuff like um, I. I didn't want to call because it would make it real if I did. And, and they all just like right. break down on the phone and they run to Metropolis to go help her. It's just, it's the sweetest thing. Um, they but might also even use that line. I might, I might be mistaken. I think they might even use that line in the, in the newest adaptation of that, the animated one. Don't they oh, really in, in reign of the Superman. Um, the actually don't they call it the death of Superman is the one right before it. Cause there was, okay, the, there first was one. the first one, Superman doomsday. And then there was, the sort of remake of that like 20 right. years later the death of Superman. i could be wrong i think that they actually include that dialogue in there i rewatched so. scenes of that for this but not those so i i trust oh. you <laughs> oh don't um, trust me i watched that movie like a year ago <laughs> no you're good um then we're almost done with comics then because the okay. only other thing that i have are kind of the same thing um where it's it's John Byrne. It's the Man of Steel, which like oh yes, you know, like it's the original revamp. It's post crisis, which is now a term that we can use more freely because everybody knows what crisis is now. Um, <laughs> but it's the revamp that really a lot of Lois and Clark is based on. And like if you open those books and look at that Lois, like it's Terry Hatcher. It's nuts. Um, <laughs> I love it. And when they first meet, it's it's beautiful. It's very much like it's kind of the Superman Returnsy, or like a lot of Superman stuff riffs it, where like she's in the experimental passenger space shuttle and whatnot. And guess <laughs> what? Something went wrong. Um, and there's a moment between them where he's just like, you know, like she, there's something be, like a fire in those dark eyes or something like that. And it's just like, well, if fire in those dark eyes isn't Terry Hatcher, I don't know what is, you know. <laughs> um, but they do all the the scenes of that and and. Like, I haven't really read into those early 80s comics very much past that. Um, but they do a lot of beats that you know from the movie, like the the interview at her house and, you know, that type of thing. Right. Um, so for anyone that hasn't read it and that is especially listening to Lois and Clark and is a fan of Lois and Clark, um, you should totally check that out because it's it's pretty much script to screen uh, or, you know, page to screen what they do with Terry and the pilot. It's really cool. 
Well, actually, to tie it to Lois and Clark, and also to comment on one thing I love about that comic, mm-hmm. is um, my favorite contribution that John Byrne made to Lois uh, was making her a military child. Yeah, army brat. Like, and, and, and I'm not just saying that because my dad was in the military, but it is kind of nice. <laughs> um, like, I do have, like, a, a, a hardcore appreciation for, like, you know, it's funny because on one hand, there's, like, this very strict, like, this is how things are done. And right. like, this is how I'll do them. I think that that's where part of her backbone comes from. But then conversely, you can also see how she's like, no, I'm not going to listen to you just because you say so. That's stupid. Which like, <laughs> I definitely had those fights with my dad when I was growing up. Sure. Like, like, just because you say I'm like, I should do this doesn't mean I should. Um, but uh, it's funny because uh, Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane is the last Lois to not be a, mil- a military brat, which I remember it was a little difficult wow, when I was watching right. it after Smallville because I wanted it so badly. Yeah. You know, when you watch like a, like, I don't know, are there any versions of um, Superman that you watched after the fact where you're like, oh, this wasn't around yet and I wish it was. This wasn't around yet. Like just any aspect. Like for another thing about Lois and Clark was it was really hard watching it after Smallville and like the episode where they hint towards Krypton and I think they have like this little globe that instead <laughs> of a Fortress of Solitude, they have like this yeah, like yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. looks like a McDonald's toy. Yeah. I mean, Lois and Clark is a lot of that for me, where like when I later went out and relearned it, it's just like, oh, why? They should have brought this in, you know? They should have right, brought yeah, yeah. the fortress in or whatever, but obviously they had no budget for that. Um, but no, I get, yeah. Wow. I hadn't even thought of that, that that was the last time that she wasn't accurate. Wait, is, did they ever establish Amy Adams as military brat? Or at least she's very well, she, comfortable she around was, the military, isn't she? She was an embedded journalist. I don't know if they made her a brat. Though, actually, one of my few critiques of how she's characterized in Man of Steel mm-hmm. is the part when um, they figure out that she's met the alien. Um, yeah. I really wish that they would have shown her, like, fighting or, like, running away, like, quicker than, like, more than she did. Because she, like, runs down the stairs. But right. other than, like, diverting um, uh, from, like the FBI who's trying to capture her mm-hmm. and besides like going down the staircase that's you that's about as far as she gets and I wish she would have gone a little bit further she yeah that she should have lowest for a little bit before Chris Maloney lowest <laughs> yes exactly yeah. um, um well cool so the the only the other comics thing I had that tied into that was um they did another crisis that let's not get into it but they did the story <laughs> called Convergence that brought back that original post-crisis Lois and Clark and then they did a comic book series called Lois and Clark, which was the first time really in the comics they explored the idea that they had a son who then had superpowers. And this was John Kent, um, who then like went on to be in a book called Super Sons. And they have some beautiful family stuff there of just like the Kents all uh, hanging out at home playing cards and Lois beats everybody, even though like everybody <laughs> else can x-ray you know, their cards just because she has a better poker face than both of them, you know, that type of thing. But, um, and then they, have a, they also have like a... Did you ever watch Sister Sister? No, I'm sorry. Oh, I wanted to call. So I was gonna say Damien is like the Roger of the family. He, they okay, have, they have like a they have like a like a stowaway in their family too. Yes, uh, Damien Wayne, <laughs> Bruce's um, child with Talia. Yeah, um, yeah. I just love that they kind of after some of the mistakes were made in the comics with the New Fifty Two stuff, they went back, jumped back in, like really right where they left off with Lois and Clark. Which is I'm glad kinda... that you also think of them as mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I remember reading uh, Superman one after uh, after the New Fifty Two and just going like, "Oh, what happened here?" You know? Yeah. Uh, and a few of those titles just never really got it. Um, but it's fun, and we should talk about this maybe at the end. Um, but it kind of feels like the the Man of Steel, Lois and Clark, to the revamped like Convergence one 
kind of feel like what they're doing now with Superman and Lois, the TV show coming out where they're we'll picking see. up literally where our show Lois and Clark left off. So we'll get I'm to really that. Excited. Yeah. yeah, me too. Um, and then as far as comics go, I didn't really have anything else, but I really wanted to, to just plug again, this book called it's a bird, it's a plane Superman by Tom DeHaven, which um, is a period piece. It takes place in like the twenties and thirties and it follows uh, Clark and Lois separately and then kind of like the first year of them knowing each other in they, it takes it more seriously like it's in New York it's not Metropolis and Lex is an alderman who's crooked and stuff like that but um, like the first time you meet her she's on the phone with her father who thinks that she's in like this is the like early 30s in New York so she thinks he's, she's in like some you know Catholic home for girls and that type of thing and like little, <laughs> no, she oh, back that. when they had like yeah, back when they had like 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 almost like dormitories for women yeah, to exactly, live in. Just exactly. like oh my gosh. But meanwhile, she left that after a week. She's been living in the village with like a boyfriend <laughs> and she's smoking cigarettes as she's on the phone with him and turning down the the jazz on the record and you know that type of thing. Is like, she basically um like a uh uh Rosamund Russell's character in his girl Friday? Yes, exactly that type of thing. And then the stuff with Clark is great because she sees him as a good guy, but she doesn't really have the attraction for him. But of course, mm-hmm. like there's this great line that I'll never forget where like, um, I think the quote is, and he started flossing for Lois, you know, like he just like, he starts kind of cleaning up his act and not being like this kind of like, he was kind of a drifter type guy for a second, um, but joins the newspaper because he sees like her spark for it and her passion for it and that type of thing. So it, again, it's, it's a twist on it, but like emotionally very, very true to their dynamic and, and Lois and Clark in general. It's a really good book. So highly recommend it. It's a bird's Superman. Can I have two quick notes on comics? Go ahead. Um, I did mention action comics number one. Um, mm-hmm. I'm mentioning this because you have a lovely piece of pop art right behind you. Oh. I love the panel um, that you've probably seen like printed everywhere on like magnets and, and mugs and everything um, where he uh, stops her and she sort of reacts uh, in like a very theatrical way. Yeah. It's weird because I can't describe it, but you you literally just did it over like webcam <laughs> and like, like I can't do that for our listeners. Yeah, I'm so sorry. her arm is like up in surprise and like uh, it, there's sort of like a like a a big like uh, almost like a like a signal light on them. Like, yeah. There's just like a big yellow ring of light going around them, uh, and it's like when they meet for the first time. It's the coolest looking thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and her I breath think is like literally taken away by him. Like that's yeah. that's almost the and feel. Yeah. I think that's actually a huge um, a huge contribution towards like the iconography of Superman. Um, mm-hmm. Love that image. The second thing is um, uh, this is a, a comic that I don't know how I feel about too much these days, but I can tell you I was really excited by it when it came out. Um, the uh, Superman Earth One comic that came out uh, circa never, oh, 2011. I d- did read that. I don't remember it that well. I really don't remember Lois from it. Was it good? Uh, what's interesting is, well, Lois is kind of like in development in that, in that book, but also okay. so is Clark. So um, is he, yeah. Uh, it's funny because when it came out, I took it very seriously because I felt like it was almost like the, the unofficial script for Man of Steel, which we knew nothing about when it was mm, coming out. But okay. I was like, I have a feeling that this Man of Steel is going to be a very futuristic one. Um, I feel like there's going to be like an alien invasion. I feel like uh, he's going to oh. feel really distanced from society. And like all that happened in both the movie and the book. Right. Um, what's really cool is at the end of the book, they have like a like a sort of mock newspaper that you can read. Um, and in this version, Clark is the one who interviews Superman because 
Yeah. <laughs> I hate when he does yeah, this. He, I hate when I know. He... I do too. Um, <laughs> he gets himself a job at the Daily Planet by interviewing himself. Um, uh, but one of the last panels is Lois is looking at him and she's so totally, totally, totally suspicious. Um, but uh, Oh, you that's know, cool. If you if you read it, go back and read it with the with the lens of this was right after Smallville when we were just, you know, we were we between Superman. We yeah, had exactly. Nothing. <laughs> we had like maybe Young Justice for like a season. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was there's nothing Superman that we could just like really like uh like dive into. And yeah. then we had um the this like highly anticipated book, um Superman Earth One. So um it's a it's an interesting novel. That's the one where he's like got he, it's like emo Superman on the front. He's got like a yeah, hoodie yeah. up and his Definitely eyes Definitely inspired by like like the, the the Smallville Green Arrow because he has like a hoodie yeah. and a leather jacket and yeah. Yep, um, cool. And also, it's uh, illustrated by um, Sean Shane Davis. Okay. Shane Davis, who is one of my favorite comic book uh, artists. Um, he did a lot. Actually, the only thing I really like about the New 52 is he did a lot of work on the Superboy title. So. Oh, okay. Um, anywho, yeah, uh, recommend now. Right on, cool. Uh, I should reread that. I have it on the shelf down there, but I haven't read it since since that time, since college. Like, like you're saying, like all we had was that picture of Henry Cavill like having just hit the safe or whatever. Right. But, yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah, okay. Comics, done. Comics. Um, <laughs> uh, with the movies, like, what was the first Superman movie that you saw? Superman Returns. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I saw it on a date when I was, like, 14 years old, if you oh, can call it a date. <laughs> how'd that go? <laughs> um, that's a, that's funny. a good That's a good date movie, actually. It's funny. The The guy was, like, very dorky and, like, Totally smitten with me and my attitude. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm not married to him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because we were like 14. Probably it might be something to do with that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, see, it's on my like top three for Lois's in the movies, but I, I totally have to have to admit that it's really just because of the movie that she's in. Like, Kate Bosworth doesn't really do it for me for Lois. But the stuff they do with the character in the movie, I like a lot. So it's a weird mixture for me. So like it's number three on my like, I guess, top three movie Loises. Okay. So if you're asking me to do, hold on. Well, how many movie Loises are there? Am I, there's, there's. Margo? Well, yeah, I counted an animated one. Okay. Um, So with that in mind, there's a lot. But there's oh, only. I know he was excluded three. then. Yeah. Um, Matt wrote me on Facebook right before uh, we recorded, and he was like, "Just letting you know, you might be offended by my omission of a Lois in my top list." Um, but I know she's on like, yours, so we'll get there. Um, well, yeah, because I couldn't think of any more than the three. <laughs> um, uh, I will say I will defend Kate Bosworth like for forever. Okay. Knowing that she was like 21 or 22 years old while filming this yeah, I and about that. selling the fact that she's like a woman who's over 30 with a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you ask me right now to pose as a woman, I'm very close to 30. If you ask me right now to act as if I'm over 30 years old and I have like a five-year-old son, I would not sell that mm-hmm. <laughs> like, at all. So like the, the amount of like, I, I know that she was very young at the time and like miscast, um, but I think she did an amazing job at selling it like the best she could. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, so that's fair. Uh, and I don't think it's her fault that it's not like a super memorable um, depiction of Lois Lane. No, it, it also didn't feel like Lois was kind of the priority for that movie. I, it's, it's hard to say what the priority for that movie was besides just kind of. I think it's just, the way like it's in Returns is as a character study. 
Yeah. It's like a, you know, character studies are usually like what happens when we put this character in this situation, what happens to them? But they mm-hmm. didn't focus on Lois. They just, they slightly focused on Lois. Oh, by the way, it is, can I tell them the date of this recording? Sure. This is January 28th. Mm-hmm. We are coming up on the anniversary of Lois's article, uh, Why the World Doesn't Need Superman, which she published oh my God. on February 14th. I just want to <laughs> tell everyone. She published that on Valentine's Day? Yes, she did. God damn it. How did you know that? That's good. Because I watched it like in the last like year and a half. And when okay. it said why the world doesn't need Superman, I like, you know, mashed that space bar. And I was like, what date is that? <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? Actually, just with that fact alone, that is like the most Lois Lane thing I can think of. Yeah, ever. very. Can you we just imagine Lois Lane like stomping her foot? Like, I don't need him. I don't need him at all. And then, you know, furiously typing away and, and yep. publishing that the next day. The year he leaves or something like that. I get that. Um, <laughs> no, I see like what I like about that movie is like, it, I do think some of the super safe stuff is great, but like, Honestly, she wasn't my favorite interpretation of Lois, but I totally get what you're saying with like, she was young and does kind of pull it off. Um, but there's some great Lois moments in that. Like the flight, the the can you read my mind like revamp flight that they do in that movie is beautiful. And and um, there's even like, there's a part that always sticks out in my head, a Lois moment where like she's on the plane in the beginning and it's falling and that whole plane sequence is is beautiful oh my god that whole plane sequence is one of the best scenes that's ever happened in any so cool yeah it's perfect all the time i get it um but there's the moment where like she's in the cabin she doesn't know what's happening like the plane's just like losing altitude it's just bad right now and she's like i think she's reaching for like an oxygen mask or something like that and it's she's struggling you know it's really hard and she looks outside and she just sees the blur of him go and like, there's this weird realization on her face where like there's, and she, you know, they hear her, hear him on the roof. And it's just kind of that moment of like, I feel like that gave her a little strength to keep going kind of the way that, that she gives him oh, wow. strength to keep going. You know, there's something very, very, I'm, I'm not a religious person at all, but there's something very biblical about the way that they kind of treat him in that movie that I really like. And I feel like that was kind of that, that moment for her. Oh, for sure. I mean, Clark is always treated with like that biblical, like, yeah, portrayal. like, like Smallville, he's like an angel in the first episode. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. And there, there's like the whole rebirth and all that in that movie too. But um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a favorite piece for me. Um, and some of the lowest dialogue in that is great too. Yeah, actually, that's something I forgot to touch upon. Um, I think funnily enough, Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? And I invite people to fight me on this. I think that um, Kate Bosworth's Lois Lane is actually the closest live action, uh, uh, like uh, closest uh, live action portrayal that uh, sort of hits that Dana Delaney yeah. animated series, but also comics Lois, where she's like very sharp tongued and like she doesn't like sugarcoat anything she's saying. Mm-hmm. So fighting with Perry all the time. Yeah, one yeah. line of dialogue that I always think of is when. Um, he assigns her the Superman piece and she's like, thanks, chief. Like, thanks, chief. That's not yeah, how I remember speak. that. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. That's like not how we speak now. That's not mm-hmm. how we spoke in 2006. So like the, the phrasing she gave that to make it sound like she, you know, exists in a world where, you know, everything still looks art deco and people still <laughs> <laughs> dress like that. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like I do, she totally yeah. sold it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do love where we are with Lois Lane right now. I love that the current versions, you know, know Clark's secret and like mm-hmm. they usually find out on, on their own or, or I like that they are supporting Clark while he's Superman. Yeah. Um, even though we do kind of lose the interview 
the sort of interview segment. Um, the, I but, spent the night with Superman stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That said, though, um, it is really cool to see uh, Lois sometimes like seems almost like. <laughs> Like very very low key sociopathic in the comics, just like <laughs> she she can't bring herself to care about certain things. Right. I feel like we got a little bit of that in the movie, and I, I like to see it to be honest. Yeah, totally. Especially even like too like I like um, the the stubbornness of her in that movie, where like Perry makes no bones about it. Like the story of Superman, not these other things that are going on. Like there's a blackout that she's interested in that, of course, winds up tying into like Lex and Superman anyway. But like right. she's she's fighting it at all costs until Superman literally corners her on the roof and takes her flying and gives her the story of the century, you know? Right. Yeah. Anyway, I like that movie. I, now I like her more in it. And it's the first time really they deal with the, the idea that they might have a kid and what that's like. And it's a, it's a sticky situation in that movie, but it's, it's cool. It's fun. The amount of times that like I, because actually last year during uh, Elseworlds, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, we might see them have a kid for the first time. And like <laughs> two seconds later, God damn it, Jason White. Like, I forget <laughs> about him all the time. <laughs> and then I did the same exact thing this year. I was like, oh my God, super baby. They John! have a kid. We've yep. never seen it before. And then I'm like, God damn it, Jason White. <laughs> they kind of sort of almost had a kid like at the end of Lois and Clark. But yeah, it wasn't for, for about seven kid. seconds, we had a kid. Yeah. Right. But um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I feel you. Um, what is a movie? What is like a top lowest uh, movie lowest for you? I don't know if I have one. I really? haven't had. I haven't had to confront that because normally when people ask like, "What? Who's your favorite Lois Lane?" I just sort of you know go through all of them. Sure. Um, oh my goodness. Okay, so let me let me say this. Like, I have a lot of love for. Margot Kidder and what she did back in the day. And like that balcony spent the night with Superman scene is one of the best Lois and Superman things they've ever put on film, in my opinion. Um, and another top for me was the Rebecca Romaine from Death of Superman and the Reign of the Superman, like we just talked about earlier. Um, not on my list is Amy Adams. It's interesting because Amy Adams, Lois Lane, is like written probably uh, like the most like like proactive Lois Lane of yeah. like of all the movie adaptations. That's true. Um, and that's the sign of the times. Like usually the best version of Lois Lane is the most current one. Mm-hmm. Um I I understand um because you know, it's weird because uh well have you seen it's the tough. ultimate edition of BVS? Yes. She has with, a with lot about more to all do of there. her investigation stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do like her a lot more there. Um it's weird. I like I do love Amy Adams and I never wanted to say anything against her. And I'm also so, so happy that she got to portray Lois Lane totally. because like Henry Cavill, she auditioned like for three different movies and she wasn't uh, cast. She wasn't cast in the like McGee movie that they were making. She wasn't wow. cast in Superman Returns. Yep. Um, Henry Cavill, I think, was cast in the McGee movie, but, you know, it was pulled from production. Like there really? were screen tests of him like wearing a suit. Oh, I thought that was like with Zack Snyder stuff. That's bizarre. Oh no no! I know what you're talking about. No, but there's yeah. uh there's footage of him wearing like a sort of the color of it is like the Christopher Reeve suit, but like okay. it almost has like a plastic metallic look to it. Um, and I don't think the footage has ever been released, but there's yeah. been a photo of a screen of it, like someone's okay, it. yeah yeah yeah, someone's so, in the screening room or something. Right, I'm pretty sure he was cast in that movie. 
Um, and then he was like the last person besides Brandon Routh. He was like, it was between Brandon Routh and him for Superman Returns. Jesus. Um, yeah, but then they both auditioned for it in uh, Man of Steel and they both got it. And I, I find that so like uh, poetic and romantic and I'm so, so happy for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it's really hard because Amy Adams, Amy Adams is one of the best actresses of our 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 generation, but she came right after Erica Durant's Lois, who was just like, she set that bar so yeah. dang high. Like Erica Durant's Lois, like I hope I do not offend any any fans of Margaret Kidder. I think she's like the Christopher Reeve of the Superman franchise. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I've got one above it, but I think that's there's a lot of nostalgia love built in. Like, you know, Terry Hatcher is my favorite Lois, like just to spoil that. But Terry Hatcher is my second favorite Lois. Fair enough. And my second favorite <laughs> is Erica Durant's because we, we got go. to see we got to see so many sides of Lois with her over the years. And and I like that about Terry too, where we went from, you know, th- um, the early stuff and, you know, the infatuation with Superman and the not caring about Clark and then to eventually care. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I love, I will say, I do love the adaptations of Lois where they initially look at Clark like he's furniture. Yeah. <laughs> from Smallville. I can't even make that name up. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> I love that stuff. But um, but no, I mean, like, by the end of, not even by the end of Smallville, like, in season eight, like we were talking about, like, Erica Durant is Lois Lane. It's amazing what she's able to do with it. Yeah. Um, and I think it is a combination of that and just, like, my kind of general distaste for Man of Steel and BVS and Justice League to begin with. like I, just, I won't fight you on the last one. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. It's just parts of those movies that I just don't like. Like still aesthetically sometimes, like I like the bat stuff in it, but it just never really got into it. So I, I think also part of it is I don't rewatch Amy Adams as Lois all that much, you know? I feel you. Yeah. So we were we were going over movie Lois's. So actually, yes. how about you give me your your top your top three in order? Okay, top three movie in order. Lois's. Yeah, top movie Lois is Margot Kidder for me. It's just, it's a classic, um, like I was saying, and um, just like the, from the first save to the end of that movie, I love it. That said, I'm not so crazy about Superman 2, and I don't really like the other two either. So it's a, it's, you know, a bias <laughs> list. Um, second for me was totally Rebecca Romain in, um, in those two animated movies that came out recently, The Death of and Reign of Superman. Um, I just really liked what they did with those movies. I haven't even really been ke- keeping up with kind of that continuity where it's all very new 52 still for some reason. Right. Um, but I, I, that, those movies just kind of like blind, uh, blindsided me. And I, I absolutely love them. I especially love the scene she has with Wonder Woman in the second one of those. Um, oh, what's really cool about that scene is since yeah. you said that you haven't been keeping up with the, the new 52S continuity within the DC animated universe. Mm-hmm. Um, they like in the earlier movies, they kind of established that Superman and Wonder Woman are, are dating. And then the, but then like those movies, they kind of like give the middle finger to, to that whole thing. Like, it's like, no, yeah. like Diana and Clark are friends. Right. And Lois is the only one. Well, she like I even I rewatched this the other day and I wrote down this this line which I loved from Diana from Wonder Woman. Kal-El and I had a special bond, but you were the love of Clark Kent's life. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that they um, established that that much earlier on. That's cool. Oh yeah. Well, actually, isn't it? Doesn't they? Don't they have a line in actually the death of Superman? Um, it's the first fight with Doomsday where I think 
Diana tries to help him and then Clark kind of dismisses her at some point. He says something like, not now, Diana, or I don't need this Diana or something. He, <laughs> no, I don't he, remember. There's, there's a scene somewhere <laughs> sure. in, in those movies. I know he's, he's yeah. totally like super jerk. Um, but then like when the, when the Death of Superman came out, I was like, oh yeah, they're literally trying to like pretend that that never happened. Interesting. <laughs> that they never entertained the idea of Clark and uh, Wonder Woman together. Um, what's also interesting about that movie, uh, The Death of Superman, is... Um, or maybe it's the reign of Superman. Um, yeah, they both uh, blur Lois, together for me. Right. Because, yeah. So Lois does, um, she has a scene that feels so Smallville-esque. I think she's like sneaking around. Oh, isn't she like sneaking around a lab and then like she pretends to flirt with someone or something to sort <laughs> yes. of get in? Mm-hmm. It's like the most, like, I could basically hear the soundtrack to Smallville while she was doing it because it was the most Lois Lane, Smallville Lois Lane thing I'd, <laughs> I'd seen in about 10 years. Yep, that wacky music comes in. Like, yeah, I totally get what you mean. Um, and then my third on the list was Kate Bosworth because of all the things we just talked about. But but those are movies for me. Like, it, it, I don't know. I For me, there still hasn't been a perfect Lois in the movies Though now I am kind of curious to go back and watch extended BVS stuff and watch the Lois investigating the bullet thing and, and see how that feels again. <laughs> I was distracted by other things to hate in that movie when I first saw okay. it. You know? <laughs> I do like from that movie, it's not even a quote that she says. It's a mm-hmm. quote that General Swanwick, who, uh, yeah. who has been revealed to be Martian Manhunter, says to her because right. she confronts him in DC in the men's bathroom. And he says with balls like that you belong in here (laughs) (laughs) yes that's lois right um totally what about movies yeah movies for you if i'm going to rank my lois lanes in movies i i can't contest margot kidder as lois because she set the standard for for lois like going forward Mm -hmm. you know like even uh erica drance who i who i um I think of as like the Lois Lane, like, you know, of course she like was so uh, inspired by Margot Kidder as well. And Margot Kidder's still like actively, um, she's influenced like all the Lois Lanes, like yeah. Amy Adams, like she, um, there's this interview that I can no longer find on the internet, but she said when she was a little girl, she would like sing like the, can you read my mind? And she would, you know, she That's would cool. pretend to be Lois Lane. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Bitsy Tulek, Elizabeth Tulek, who is Lois Lane on the new upcoming Superman show. Mm-hmm. Um, she has posted about Margot Kidder countless times. Like even before she was cast as Lois Lane, she like did a tribute to Margot Kidder. Really? Um, yeah. But so actually when Margot Kidder died, uh, Bitsy Tulek, she posted a tribute, which this was before she was cast as Lois Lane, like months, mm-hmm. like about four months before that news came out. Um, and she wrote about how um, basically there's a point in her life where she was going through uh, like a, a rough time and she and her screen, her acting professor said, watch these screen tests that Margot Kidder does oh. for Superman, the movie, yeah. like let that inspire you because that's acting. Um, and she posted about it. Now that I'm talking about it, I kind of wonder if she was in progress of being casted at that time. And Maybe like she was building goodwill. For it. Yeah. I don't know. But um I, I believe it's it's genuine, like absolutely. Um so you have at least uh like two like Lois Lanes that have been or wait, so Erica Drantz, Elizabeth Tolick, uh Amy Adams. Yeah, so three Lois Lanes for sure confirmed that like Margaret Kidder was like it for them. Directly. I don't know if Terry Hatcher's ever uh, talked about I don't Margaret think she Kidder. ever has, no. I mean like Terry but Hatcher might doesn't talk about been. Lois that much anymore. <laughs> I mean, but she also, like, I imagine isn't asked about it that much. Like, right, isn't asked yeah. directly, what did you think about Margot Kidder's Lois Lane? Right, right. And, and <laughs> she kind of came out before the time where, like, there would be 18 geek sites that she'd have to talk to for the show to right. do press that would ask her, like, who was your favorite Lois Lane? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, uh, that's that's totally true. And I forgot about those um, those tests. Uh, what am I trying to say? The those camera the tests. Test. Yeah, for yeah. The, for the original and seeing them kind of go through different variations of like sometimes Chris is with a different Lois or sometimes she's in there. But then like once the two of them are together, it's just oh right. Because actually, I'm remembering it now. Her her acting pro, uh, coach said watch the screen test because you'll see like the difference between Margot Kidder mm. and the other actresses. And the other ones. Um, uh, in regards to my other two, you made me really, now that we were talking about uh, Kate Bosworth, which like I've never talked so in depth about Kate Bosworth <laughs> on a podcast before. Yeah. Like it's hard because, um, because you compare what they got to work with, you know, on one hand, like Amy yeah, Adams well, got like the, the best script, but then like Amy Adams, I felt, um, she almost made Lois too empathetic, in my opinion. They, I still they, love her, like Amy Adams, so much. But you know, like she didn't feel as like biting. She didn't feel. Yeah, there's there's a softer edge to her, Lois, despite the fact that she's like you know she's doing the thing. She's out there with the military and whatnot. There right. there wasn't that like tough as nails Margot to her that I felt I, at least. I will say, um, Amy Adams, like her physical chemistry with um, Henry Cavill, which what, which woman alive would not have amazing physical exactly. chemistry with Henry Cavill? But she's always grabbing his chest or like his face. Mm-hmm. And every time she grabbed his face and said, Clark, like you can hear almost like an H after the C. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Clark. Um, every time she did that, I like my heart would just soar. So like she does mean a lot to me. Um, but after we've talked about Kate Bosworth so much, I feel like they might even be tied because Kate Bosworth didn't have wow. a lot to work with, but she no. brought... I thought she brought a lot to it for how old she was and like what she had. Um, Amy Adams had a lot to work with, but I didn't feel like she pushed the envelope as much. But on the other hand, context, you know, it was right after Smallville, you know, maybe it was intentional to not just, you know, continue what Erica Johns was doing. Copy that. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're both learning things about the closes that we've ignored apparently for a little bit. (laughs) And we haven't fought yet. <laughs> I know. It's nice. No, this has been a very, you know, loose and unstructured conversation. It's good. Um, yeah. Let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> Who, besides our, Terry. Our favorite Loises. Yes. Besides Terry and, and um, Erica. Who are, like, what do you think of Bitsy right now? Because, like, to oh put this in gosh. context, how much have we seen Bitsy? We've seen her in... Elseworlds and then just Crisis, is that right? I feel like we have only seen maybe 15 to 25 minutes of footage of her as Lois Lane. That's probably fair. The, like the, the stuff, I mean, like anybody listening to this that didn't watch Crisis should totally go back and watch Crisis. I'm amazed they didn't wind up bringing Terry and Dean into it at some point. But like, oh, I this, know why they didn't, they didn't bring Dean into it. <laughs> I, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but seriously, you could have gotten Terry in there. Um, but I mean, like the Superman stuff they played with, especially in part two in the Batwoman episode was just amazing. I, I, I loved all of that. Um, and you talked about it with Zach in depth over at... I, yeah, Always it was Hall, a lot Hall, of fun. Hall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do, you, what do you feel about Bitsy so far? Like, how are you feeling well, going into Superman and Lois soon? Well, we do have similar listeners, like Always Smallville and, and this podcast. So I do want mm-hmm. to apologize if I sound like a broken record. Um, but I am really, really optimistic for Bitsy Tolik. Um, Me too. The first time we saw her in Elseworlds, I felt like her performance was, um, it was missing a little something. I felt like she was still trying to like get a hold of her character. Yes. But the amount of progress she made in a year, oh my God, she like knows who she is. Um, mm. I think, because also it's hard coming into one, like a new show, being a newcomer. 
it's hard being a newcomer on a show and then like acting as if you've always been a part of that universe. Right. It's hard coming on to like, so those two things, but also you're coming on to a bunch of new shows and it's a special event, you know, it's yep. rough. Um, and you're also playing a character who's been around for about 80 years. Um, like that's a lot to ask of, of someone. Um, but you know, so for Elseworlds, I felt like she was still getting her grip on the character, but I could tell she had amazing uh, chemistry with Tyler Hecklin. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, one year later, we saw Crisis, and I, I felt like, um, not to like judge her acting, but if I was going to rank her acting, I felt like she got like two, three times better. Yeah. Um, and I have no concerns. I feel like Tyler Hecklin, I, I don't um, love him as an actor. I'm still waiting to be super impressed by him. But I, I think that with her as his co-star, I think he's going to grow a ton. Okay. I, I, th- I think they both can grow a ton. Like, there, there are shades. I really liked his introduction to, on Supergirl, like, season two. Oh, yeah. Um, Probably and, the best and, episode of Supergirl ever, actually. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> um, and I really liked, like, the end of season two when he fought Terry Hatcher. That was fun. Um, or helped her fight Terry Hatcher, really. Um, but yeah, there, there, there are shades of Clark Kent that I've yet to see in him. Uh, the same way that I've, there are shades of Lois that I've yet to see in her. Like, I want to see her be tough. You know, like, I want right. to see her a little more no-nonsense. But also, like, I tr- try to keep in mind, we're catching them past any of the animosity that, that maybe, like, Tom and Erica had or Terry and Dean had. Like, they're, right. but they're in love. But that's also the they're, most exciting thing. We I get agree. to see them in a stage that we've never seen them before. We get to I see totally agree. Mary, Lewis and Clark. We get to see parents, Lewis and Clark. Yeah, I want to um, see them disagree and, on parent stuff, you know? Like, which is oh, yeah. the most mundane <laughs> thing you could do with Superman and Lois. But like, I want to see those arguments. You can tell we really love these characters. Because we just want to see them like make grocery lists and hang out. Yeah. Yeah, um, fight over what to watch. Actually, you know what? It's... <laughs> I would actually say a sign not to not to gatekeep not to like you know say sure. that this is law. Um, I think a sign of true love actually is like if you if you bicker over really stupid things actually. No, totally. You know, like if you just fight over a ton of stupid things all the time, but like in an affectionate way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if anyone makes good use of that like uh, t- type of love, it's definitely Lois and Clark. And I yes. can't wait to see that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I can't but, wait to see them like after a uh, after a minor fight at home where they're both a little pissed off each other, and then all of a sudden have to go right into Superman mode. You know, like that'd be fun. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I am very optimistic to see uh, Bitsy and Tyler, and I'm so excited because this has been ordered direct to series before even the premiere of the pilot. <laughs> Which, like, sorry, Henry Cavill, you'll never be Superman again, but this will be fun. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, actually, can I interjection? I have a really fun story, actually. Sure. So um, before Elseworlds, okay. right, uh, like right before Bitsy Tulik was actually. Um, announced as being cast uh uh tyler hecklin appeared at this convention in jersey okay um and you know i went there's a, a q a line and i lined up and um <laughs> this is really funny i asked him a couple questions and apparently like when i got off my when i like left the line my friends who were just like waiting in the audience they're like you sounded like you were interviewing him. Like you didn't sound like a fan. I was like, (laughs) I've had like 10 years of fantasizing about this sort of thing that would never happen. It's like, I low key interviewed Superman, but, um, I was asking him, I asked him two things. I asked him, um, if there were any like certain like iconic Superman moments that he was looking forward to like partaking in, like, cause you know, Superman's made of like all these tropes. Yeah. Um, and I, I also touched upon the fact that he was in a movie with a Lois Lane. He was in uh, a movie called the domestics with Kate Bosworth. And oh, I was like, cool. oh, what was it like that. working with Kate Bosworth? Um, but when he was talking about, uh, the, like what he was excited to do as 
uh, Superman in the crossover with a Lois, um, something he said, which I cannot remember actually was quoted and put on like a million blog sites. And I was like, I oh, kind cool. of interviewed a Superman. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, yeah. I, I, I can imagine him being kind of like forthcoming with that type of thing too, especially in a film. Oh, he, he definitely like was not prepared um, for my like, like really prepared question. Yeah. Oh, I want to see this now. I want to find one of those articles <laughs> that you quoted or that your question is quoted in. That's fun. I don't know if my question was quoted. It was just like they took a, an excerpt of what he was saying. Sure. You know, I mean, you oh, know okay. what, in relation what to quote Lois unquote there. journalism is nowadays yeah. on the uh-huh. internet. Yeah. You know, you take, yeah. you take one thing out of context and then you make an entire article out of it. Mm-hmm. Article out of it yada, yada. You just described all of my December <laughs> and early January waiting for crisis to conclude and reading all of these. <laughs> oh my gosh. The worst thing is when they're, when they're posted like three months later and it's like, yeah, I've already seen this interview. I know which quote this is. Don't right. say this is news now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so anyway, well, I'm glad we're both excited for, for Bitsy. Um, I'd like to talk about Dana Delaney for a second. Like, I just went to okay. a screening over the weekend of Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which was, um, she plays um, a Bruce Andrew Wayne Beaumont. love interest in that. Yeah, Andrea Beaumont. Um, and she's so good that it made me come home and rewatch some of the animated series stuff with her as Lois. And I love that Lois Lane. I especially love that pilot um, and what they do with her and that, except that the the bummer for me with her Lois is that they never really got to get into yeah, the relationship meat of like, it, you know? It kind of hints at it. Yeah, it, a little okay, bit. It hits at it twice. So it hints at it at the very last episode. <laughs> Sorry, my dad. Like it's they have apart. a they they have a moment that's kind of like, you know, look off into the sunset and think about the future. But that's right. it. Yep. Um but then also there they have an episode adaptation of For the Man Who Has Everything, mm-hmm. the comic. Yes, um, I love and this. He is married to Someone who looks like you put the design for Lois Lane, the design for Lana Lang together. Mm-hmm. I think she's a redhead with purple eyes and she has Lois's haircut. Yep. Maybe. And is voiced by um, Dana, right? Yeah, and is voiced by Dana. Yeah. Um, so eh, I And then like she's you know, she's on like a picnic date with Superman in a Justice League Unlimited episode, like years later. They like just right. kind of fly to the top of a bridge and talk about whatever the hell the Justice League is going through at the time. But it's also I think there's like a really bad movie like Superman versus Brainiac. And I think that they're, they're more of a thing in that movie. Oh, see, I've never seen that because they changed so many of the it's voice casting. Really bad. Yeah. See, this is why, this is why I'm not going to see this. Um, I'm a completionist but, though. So I watched it. <laughs> I, I'm proud of you. Um, I have not. Um, I, I really, I love her interpretation. I wish they got to do more with it. Like the most emotionally interesting thing I think they ever did with her Lois was the first time that Batman crossed over in Superman stuff. Oh, I'm actually the- really into the idea that Lois Lane dates Bruce Wayne for like a hot second. Me I, too. I love that she dates Lex. I love that she dates dates Bruce. I'm like, yeah, Lois is a catch. Like, yes, of course, exactly. this playboy's into her. Mm-hmm. And, and all these like exceptional men around her in various states like recognize that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's some great stuff in there with, um, it's almost a cautionary tale. It feels like for Clark and that, because like she finds out that he's Batman is, is not, super cool with it and really disagrees she she likes bruce but she disagrees with batman whereas right in you know she kind of like she likes clark as a friend but that's really all they ever get to um so that that's like my biggest regret with her that they never really got into that stuff but obviously there was a cartoon for kids and they weren't doing the romance of it as much but um i would totally take a movie 20 years later however far out we are 
that uh, you know, that goes back into that. Two notes about that. Sure. So, well, one, have you seen? Um, uh, uh, actually, you said you haven't watched a lot of the new Fifty Two ish ones. Have you no. seen uh, Flashpoint, the movie? Yes, I don't remember it that well. Because they have Dana Delaney voice Lois Lane. Really? Yeah. I have so really many cool. things I want to rewatch now. Okay. <laughs> this is this is how we do it. Yeah. Um, so, but you know what? Actually, because um, the DC uh, animated department, they have a lot of fun with their projects. It, totally. You know, um, and I think it'd be really cool to see them revisit that universe just for one movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, it's actually totally a thing that could happen. Like, yeah. realistically, I don't think it would, but like, they've done all sorts of um, things I would never expect. Like, they, they kind I mean, of they, have though. Like with the the Fatal Five movie this year, and um, oh, that, yeah. and Harley and they, Quinn thing. Like, they, they've dipped their toe into it a little bit. Right, and there was that one movie that didn't technically have Superman in it or Batman, but it was like Bruce Tim. Um, yeah, that was cool. Um, it's the one Justice with like League gods Kirk and monsters, Link. I think. Yes, 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 yes. That one. Yeah. So who knows? Like, um, you know, maybe if we like, uh, like, uh, tweet at Bruce Tim and Paul Dini enough <laughs> that we can make it happen. People are uh, definitely tweeting about like a JL reunion. So who knows? Oh, please, um, I'd love that. So before, actually, so before we get to our top two, because we do have okay. the same top two, just out yes. of order. Yeah. Um, I think the only reason I can never list uh, Dana as a top one. Um, or the Superman the Animated Series Lois as the top one was uh, because they didn't have an interaction. Um, like you said, like it's, it was always so yeah. painful to me because that's why I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that said, I think I will make Bitsy my third one because also she's a really sure. rockin' Lois Lane. Like during the, I don't know if you knew this, um, during Elseworlds, um, a lot of people were saying, like tweeting at her like, oh, is Lois going to wear purple because it's her color? And then she like did a little search and she saw that Lois was like always wearing purple. And then she talked to the costume designer and she's like, can I have something purple? Because like Lois wears it a lot. Like, oh my gosh. Yep. Like, that's I like hadn't seen a single piece of footage of her um, <laughs> at that point, but I like fell in love with her. I was like, yes. I get so, it. She, th- yeah. That's like the type of thing where like we were talking off mic before we started recording about Margot Robbie, where like she had an interview recently where she like told the whole cast, like, I don't care what you think of it or what your modern conceptions of it are. Read the comics because it's important and you should know where they come from. And people feel right. as strongly about these as like, I guess she's a big Harry Potter fan. So she's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. They oh feel gosh, as strongly about them as I do about <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, but it's like, I, I love seeing um, when, when the actors get into it like that. And the idea that she would be coming into this knowing like, okay, I have to put like my best foot forward here with these fans and, and right. try to homage stuff like that. That's so cool. Two things about that. Um, First thing, totally ignorable thing. Um, Margot Robbie is a huge uh, Harry Potter fan uh, to the point of when she was about 11 or 12 years old, she lied at the eye doctor so she could get glasses. She just like read a bunch of letters <laughs> randomly because she really, really wanted glasses. And if you want to have fun, tweet uh, or search Google um, Margot Robbie Harry Potter and you're going to see like a really nerdy photo of her like with glasses and I think like a Harry Potter book and a cup of tea when she's like 11 or 12. Oh, that's adorable. I know. But it's also like Margot Robbie is kind of like like a a bro but not like a butthole in my opinion like yeah. think of like a super broy bro but mm-hmm. she's a girl and she's like that and like <laughs> like think of like a like maybe a guy friend you have who's well-meaning but not like the i don't know <laughs> well-meaning God. but like kind of a, a like a ride um like that's how i think of her the second thing <laughs> is uh i don't want to mention any actors directly but i really get bummed out when people refuse to look at the source material before they take a role, especially yes. for something that's all, all encompassing as Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will, will argue, well, I don't want my portrayal to be influenced by 
this. And my, uh, my reaction to that is you're an actor. If you can't like, if you can't incorporate this or right. like, if you can't do your research without incorporating this, like if you are not aware enough of your choices, then you need to work on your, your like level of cognizance when you're acting. Well put. Um, because yes. I, I think it's uh, I think you owe it to this franchise to really do the research, you know, mm-hmm. and like um, all the time you hear about people who get cast in these roles and the first thing they do, Violet Bean, who was like uh, Jesse Quick on The Flash, oh, yeah, she yeah. was cast and she was like a, like a, she wasn't a major character on The Flash, but she was cast and the first thing she did was go to a comic book store and tried to get comics with her character in it. That's awesome. Um, Connor Leslie, who was in uh, Donna Troy and Titans, mm-hmm. when she was cast, the first thing she did was try to like find out about Donna's origin. And then she found out that there's like nine versions of her. And then she went back <laughs> to the creators and she's like, which one am I? What but, are we like, doing you know, she knew that to ask that question, you yeah. know? So that's like amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I love when people really do their research. I like, cause when you think about it, like, uh, anyone else who works on the production, they have to do the research, to do their job. Right. All the decisions they make is based off of that contextual information. And like, I can't see how you could do a worse job by doing research. Right. And know? isn't it, it, there's, there's something to that idea of like, um, shouldn't it all be helpful until it isn't like the idea that, that you have to take it all in. You have to like learn the rules before you know how to break them, you know, like figure out what works about these characters, especially these characters that have been around for 80 years, figure out why and what people respond to about it and then figure out the problems, figure out that, you know, it is stupid that Lois never figured out that, you know, she's some great reporter, but she never, that she works with Superman. So like, yeah, change that, you know, but understand what the roots of the character is. I totally agree. And like, again, I think about it in like all the other roles of production. Like, can you imagine being a director on a Superman film and not doing a single amount of research about Superman? Or not figuring out how to shoot somebody flying. Like, what are you doing? You know? Right. Or like, uh, even being like a, like a composer on Superman, you have to listen to all the other themes to figure out what you should or should not do. Mm -hmm. Like you can make super educated decisions based off of digesting all of it, including what to ignore. Right. And if you are not able to ignore it, then again, like that's, that's like treat that as a challenge is what I'm saying. Yeah, fair enough. Long like, story short, oh, I, I love Gitsy Tillich. I so want to know the directors <laughs> you're not naming, but yes. Um, no, I'm not naming actors, the TV um, ones specifically. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Subtweet. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> All right, let's dive in here. Um, we're we're I, I I'm torn because we're on a Lois and Clark's podcast, so I want to leave Terry for last, but also I want to be kind to my guest and leave. Erica no, we can leave Terry for last because okay. I feel like I Thank talk you. about Lois. I feel like we talk about Erica. I talk about Erica. And anytime I'm asked to appear on a, a podcast, on I end up mentioning show. her. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's fine. Um, and like, it's pretty like, uh, people don't talk about Terry Hatcher as much. Tons of people talk about Erica Johnson at this point. Yeah. I don't feel like I have too much to, to offer with that conversation. Like Erica Johnson is great. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. So, what, what were there ever like moments? Because like there, they have seasons and seasons of stuff with Lois and that, and there are some hit or miss things. Were there ever moments with um, Erica's Lois where you're like, oh, what, what were they doing here? Not necessarily her problem, but the show, the writers, that type of thing. You know, it's funny because um, our friend Zach, who has a podcast on this mm-hmm. entire show. <laughs> Um, he talks about how in season four, they really didn't know what to do with Lois. Yeah. But I never noticed it when I was watching the show. And, me neither. Um, you know, I, I can't really say that there are any moments where 
I felt like they didn't know what they were doing with Lois. Or at least, well, there, there were never any moments where I felt taken out of the yeah. context of it. Maybe that's just how good Erica Drotz was able to like, t- like take every spin on her character. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think of episodes like uh, Persuasion where she like is dressed like a 50s housewife and she breaks, right. down, she breaks down and cries. Like, I just think, oh, that's just a, you know, like a Silver Age story. Mm-hmm. She, she acted the hell out of it. It's still totally. a great episode. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of like it, Zach will say like under the influence stuff with Lois like they they do oh, body yeah. switching <laughs> or whatever but like they, that's never mm, that's like, never like, even a when Lois of the character like or anything like that even when Lois is basically drunk and she gets like uh, like a mock tattoo of Clark on her breast like that oh, still feels I like Lois Lane to me <laughs> yes um, <laughs> but she was crypto Lois drunk Lane. so like it's excusable I know <laughs> she's fine. Um, <laughs> Yeah, even like um, I've said this on multiple podcasts at this point. So again, sorry if I'm a broken record. Mm-hmm. Even on uh, in episodes like uh, Stiletto, which a lot of people did not like that episode. Yeah, I love it. I love it okay. so much. It feels like a Silver Age episode where there's like a premise and Lois acts during the premise, and, uh, and then it's gone by the end of the episode. But um, the whole thing is, I love that she's like insecure in that episode, insecure to the point where she thinks about uh, risking her journalistic integrity. Like it felt very human. It's somehow yeah, could didn't you, feel like they could were you compromising. Like recap that episode too for people that might oh, not sure. know it. Yeah. No, Sorry. Uh, so in Stiletto, Lois has been trying to secure an interview with the Blur, is what Clark is known in Metropolis right. at that point, and he's not responding to any of her skywritings. So she invents a superhero. She she saves um, her cousin during like a mugging, and people think that she's a superhero, so she just runs with it because she wants sort of the spotlight. Um, and uh, it's, it's a Batman parody. She talks about having a cave and like she puts on like a fake accent. Um, but right. yeah, so when that episode came out, there's a lot of backlash from fans like, oh, Lois, I'm going to do that. Oh, what about journalistic integrity? Yada, yada, yada. Because, you know, she was kind of like making up her source. Right. Um, but I, it never bothered me. Somehow it never seemed out of character because I liked seeing her be insecure. Sure. Because first of all, if Clark can interview Superman, then she can do this. Right. Yeah. And B, like there are comic covers with her as a centaur or a genie or a, a mermaid. Right. Like it's not complete. You're totally right. It's a silver age, just kind of like wacky story that they get to play, play into. That's funny. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. so glad you defended Stiletto. That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will keep on defending it. Th- this is hard because like I was trying to think of stuff too and I haven't rewatched Smallville as as recently as maybe you have and certainly as Zach has but like are there favorite rewatches Smallville I I know know it's so weird yeah (laughs) um are there favorite moments for you that stick out with her Lois throughout the series oh my god like one for me I love the episode Infamous where um it's kind of a what-if story but basically Clark is forced to show his power to Lois actually can my note about that is Lois finds out Clark's secret before they can have that flirtation. Well, they sort yes. of have it because actually yeah, in the she, episode that I mentioned, they do have that. That's right. a, that's a big thing about it. Um, but uh, that was like our first look at like sort of an interview between mm-hmm. them. You know, she, so she starts, she says like, so, so what does she say? Like, so what are you packing or what's up? Yeah. There? What are you packing? What yeah. mail do you have or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he, he leads with, I can shoot lasers from my eyes or something like that. Which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, after just lifting up a desk with her on it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah no, I love that. And there's, she's, 
she it's a different tone in that scene than we see i feel like in other versions where like she's a little pissed she's a little suspicious and she's she's also a little turned on yeah she's a little turned on totally (laughs) and she's a little mad at herself for not seeing it too which is right um yeah no i love that episode i love her in that episode i also love when they find out and it's like this big romantic moment and she tackles him into like shredded paper and Oh my god! Glitter everywhere for no goddamn reason, but it's it's a good moment and it's earned after seven years or whatever. You know, um, someone told me this moment happens in Stiletto, and I don't actually know because I should know it because I love season eight so much. Mm. Um, The first interview that she has with the Blur, I think, is in Stiletto because he's like, he's like, okay, she wants my attention, I'll give it to him, right? Okay. Uh, it might be. It might be an, an episode. It was after this it, like but... so? Like for a while, for anybody that hasn't watched Fallville, like they were interviewing. Like she would get into a phone booth, and he would call with like a voice modulator thing. Was this, is right. this like the first of that setup, or was it different? I think it is. I've never okay. verified this. If it happens in this episode, but if it does, I mean, way to bring it full circle. Great. Um, but it's uh, interesting because in that in that uh, scene, there's a a moment where he. He says like, "Oh, you're nervous," because you know it's Clark. He knows Lois, and yeah. you can tell that she's nervous. Uh... And she goes. Can you read my mind? <sighs> I know. <laughs> um, for people who cannot see either of us, uh, Matt just like shivered. <laughs> I just get the goofy, stupid smile when I talk about like I just love that stuff, man. Um, I do too. I guess I have to rewatch Stiletto now too. Shit. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, any any final thoughts on final thoughts? I'll, we'll hear from you on always. Or always hold on. It's always sunny on Smallville, um, really shortly. But um, yeah, any final thoughts on Erica to to wrap us up here? You know what? I'm going to wrap it up purely because we can keep on thinking of episodes and keep on gushing over them. And like mm-hmm. you know, 40 minutes later, we'll still be talking about Erica. Drotz. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I will say that Erica Drotz is like she exemplified all the best parts of Lois's of of Lois. Totally. Um, and uh, I love that she's the first Lois. I think to um, to find out Clark's secret and support him. Yeah. Um, we kind of get that a little bit in Lois and Clark, but we never know that she knows. Like, that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, uh, well, they just kind of... We'll, 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 we'll get there. Excuse me. Um, yeah, but she only knows it for an episode in that where, like, she... Lois knows the secret for, like, half a season on Smallville, and she doesn't yeah. force him out of the closet with it or anything. She's kind Oh, of, actually, you know what? Speaking of force out of the closet, because that's mm-hmm. a very specific thing you said. Yeah, sorry. Actually, Lois Lane has taught me one of the biggest life lessons ever. Um, so season four, after uh, Chloe finds out Clark's secret, she mm-hmm. talks to Lois, Lois who knows nothing about Clark at this point. She's like, hey, Lois, like, if, if you found out something about someone and they didn't tell you, like, how would you treat this information? And Lois would say, well, if it wasn't hurting them or anyone else, uh, I think I would find it a way to support this person and, you know, see what I can do to, you know, help them out and then hope that they would tell me sometime. Yeah. And that is an attitude I've, tr- I've taken to, um, to basically anyone who has like a, anyone who isn't just like, uh, who falls into like the straight white demographic. Straight, or like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so like if I, if I suspect that someone is LGBTQ, if I suspect someone's trans, if I suspect that mm-hmm. someone might have a like a mental disorder, I'm not just gonna like ask them. I'm going to try to be sensitive to what I see. Um, I'm not gonna try to out them. I'm not gonna let my curiosity for like their very personal identity, like like you know, overpower um, like how to treat someone. So yeah. like that's uh, it's random, but like actually that is one of the most important things I've ever learned, like from watching Smallville. 
No, see, like that's why it matters though too, and that's why it connects to to nerds like us, and and, and, right. and why we get like, to go back to that. I also love that like they set that up in season four, and then they stuck with the continuity of that in season ten, just I like know. proud of Smallville that's for great. a second. Um, that's really that's really beautiful. I don't have any life lessons from Terry Hatcher, so that's <laughs> that's really nice. Um, I think that's a beautiful cap off for Erica Durance. Um, when or you were a kid when you first watched. Uh, Lois and Clark, you said. For one episode. One episode. Like, have you, did you go back and watch it all as at a certain age? Like, I, I say that because I needed a podcast to make me to go watch, go back and watch it all, <laughs> despite the fact that I do love this show, but it it's tough sometimes. Like, when did you kind of jump into Lois and Clark? So I totally know what you mean about um, Lois and Clark being a difficult watch, especially yeah. after season two. Um, it, it gets very difficult to watch after season two. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, it's funny. A couple of years ago, I mentioned that I'm a completionist earlier, which is why I'd watched the Superman versus Brainiac or something. Right. Um, a couple of years ago, around 2017, I just got really, really stubborn and said, I want to watch everything that DC has ever made. Whoa. Okay. I have not completed that yet, but I was going really, say. really far. So like I watched all of Batman. I watched the entire like Timverse, Bruce Timverse. Yeah. DCAU. Um, I watched like everything animated i think besides super friends no i still have to watch super friends i have to watch crypto the super dog yes i will be watching crypto the super dog that's that's better than super friends to be honest like that's a good watch keep going i'll watch uh the legion of superheroes i'll watch um teen titans um but like i also went back and i watched like you know like uh like the kirk allen superman series i watched like i watched the uh oh man but what i loved about it so i watched what's it called the those very early Superman cartoons, Fleischer, the Fleischer, Fleischer. Super. Oh my god, they're so good, gorgeous, oh great Lois in that too. By the way, but uh, I know because mm-hmm. actually, you know what? Actually, we're just gonna sidebar on that for a second because I doubt we'll talk about it uh, otherwise. Go ahead, uh, Lois Lane in this early depiction of Superman, which happens in like 1940, I think, mm-hmm. um, just a couple years after the show, years, after the comics yeah. come out. Um, in every episode, Lois Lane gets into a crazy amount of trouble. But literally, every time it happens, it's because she's doing something particularly like, like, uh, like, like brave. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she almost gets eaten by like a dinosaur at one point. Was yes. because she was trying to free someone who was getting eaten by a dinosaur, something yep. like that. Yep. Like, um, it's so I, I loved seeing that. I was worried going back and watching these things. I was like, oh god, there's probably gonna be some sexist thing in here that pisses me off. No, but just some racist stuff opposite. to piss you off. But otherwise, you know, it's pretty good. Oh for yeah, Lois there, Lane. there was yeah. a, actually yeah. Uh, we were in a war. <laughs> it was, it's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which I am part Japanese, so that was very interesting. I'm sure Anywho. that was a great watch for you. Don't watch the Batman serials. Keep going. Um, oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. so anyway, so I was watching like a lot of DC stuff for a while, and um, I haven't gotten through all of George Reeves' The Adventures of Superman, but I did watch all of Lois and Clark, which. Cool. Um, right after Smallville, when I was thirsty for more stuff, I mm-hmm. watched the first season of Lois and Clark, and I thought it was pretty good. But it was it was difficult, especially like you know, because that's that was how old was that show at that point? Smallville came out in two thousand ten, so a fifteen year old show. Fifteen, yeah. Um, so I, I, it's I had it ruined for me because I think that some blog or something, maybe like a maybe an MTV or VH1 thing, they talked about the uh season two finale at one point so i knew mm-hmm. it was coming but i was also okay. looking forward to it like that entire season yeah um but uh so in 2017 i rewatched i rewatched season one started watching season two three and four for the first time um right. and some episodes are really rough yeah that's uh, a tough watch in 2017 i commend you 
the the hd wells episodes were for the worst for me oh my god they're my favorite oh no oh no <laughs> My Every favorite time he came episode back, is like, the first H.G. Wells episode. That's so funny. Well, at least it's not the second H.G. Wells episode because I think no, the second no, one is not. the one that really bothers me. That's definitely not my um, favorite. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We um, won't do best of Tempest episode. I promise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I and I feel bad. I don't actually know the episodes well enough to to you know. I should rewatch the, the first two seasons because I they were pretty awesome. They're great. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're hit yeah. or miss, but they're fun. Yeah. It's so <laughs> I, I weird. Like say, I sound like a jerk. Cause I always like put the show down because it is, it does have its flaws, but I still, I still love it. People know that I'm coming from there. You were yeah, and, and it gave us one of our favorite Lois's ever. Yes. Um, speaking of, so since we're talking about Lois now, mm-hmm. um, I love, uh, I love, um, Erica Durant's Lois, but I feel like Terry Hatcher is the Lois who's closest to her Lois. And I feel like the level of sass she put into her, her Lois mm-hmm. was a great precursor for Erica Durant's Lois. Totally, totally true. And and the, uh, Erica uh, gets to humanize her a bit more because it, again, like TV had changed a lot by then. Um, and there are some missteps with Terry uh, throughout the four seasons. Like there's an episode where like she's upset because she can't, cook a meal for Clark at home. I'm like, Lois Lane does not give a shit about cooking a meal for Clark at home. You know, like it's such a weird right. thing for but me. Doesn't she do that in persuasion also? I think she burns the dinner or something and she also cries. Oh, really? <laughs> I think so. But wasn't she under the influence of something in that? Or am I making She was, up? but if you, but, but however, if you look at Smallville canon, it's probably something that was already there that came bubbling to the surface. Interesting. Okay. It was just like an episode <laughs> where she's just like, I'm never going to be a housewife. I'm sorry. I'm like, fuck you're sorry like this is so weird um <laughs> but that said like from the get i feel like she's she gets to be lois whereas erica durant's had to kind of work up to it and again it was just right. kind of a show that she's on uh but and it's they, nice to have four seasons of a fully formed lois right and they they definitely go out of their way to give her an introduction too because mm-hmm. her first scene like you know joe schmo walks into the daily plan yeah. and he rips off a mustache and it's lois lane it's, it's kind of like a. it makes me think of um You've watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I'm assuming. Of course. Well, so in every movie, they they really take care to give uh, um, uh, Captain Jack an interesting introduction. Like mm-hmm. they they really try to load as much of a story, a story that you'll never like like actually right. know about. But they try to always like give him a really grand entrance. And I'm like, they gave a TV character this entrance. That's pretty cool. Yep, totally true. Oh, now I'm just thinking of Jack Sparrow. Um, but yes, no, <laughs> totally true. Um, I also it in. This is, anybody listening to this probably knows this already, but like this is the first way that I really learned what Lois and Clark and the Superman mythos was all about. Right. So it was The fact really, that there's a show called Lois and Clark is one yeah. of the reasons why people know the name Lois Lane. Exactly. But there's something really interesting to be said of the fact, and they get away from it a bit later on um, in the, the idea that she's kind of top bill here. But it really is like it's moonlighting with Lois and Clark. It really is a a co-story between the two of them. Like if you had if you were missing either one of them for an episode, it'd be very strange. But arguably I think you could miss Superman more in an episode and get away with it because you Oh, absolutely. Because this was the first version. Right. This was the first version that asserted Clark is the real person. Yes. Which that's yeah. a very interesting development for uh, the portrayal of Clark Kent. Yep, totally true. And it allows, opens the door then for that whole relationship to go forward. Right. For you to understand why, yes, Superman's 
amazing. Who wouldn't like, it's kind of the same way people look at Senri Cavill, like who wouldn't be into that? Right. But when you get the slow burn of this farm boy over here that I wasn't that into, this but then from Smallville, yeah, exactly. Couldn't even make that name up. Um, who then <laughs> proves to her out of costume that he's like the best guy in the world. It's right. a beautiful little love story. And then the fact that she gets to then be a part of this thing that she was kind of reporting on or watching from afar or whatever and, and help influence and guide how that, that heroism t- you know, goes from then on is just so interesting to me. It's why I love these characters and, and why I love this whole DC universe, honestly. It's also a very, um, a very notable uh, uh, contribution to feminism, actually, mm. because like, you know, Lois Lane is the, the subject of a lot of hatred from male um, from fans who say that they're Superman fans, but if they don't love Lois Lane, like you're not a Superman fan. You don't give it. Yeah. And they, they always say things like, oh, she's so dumb. She couldn't tell that he had glasses, all that, yada, yada, yada. So, so many points about that. One, yeah. like in some versions, uh, Zatanna Zatara cast a spell on his glasses. So literally you cannot tell right. Superman if he's wearing them. Uh, they should bring two. back more often, frankly. Oh but, my yeah. god, I was so angry when they didn't do it in Smallville. She was right there. She's and, always and there. She didn't have to. She didn't have to appear either. They could have just because in uh, in the Hangover um, episode, in the Hangover episode, they, they exactly say that she sent about. she she. They said that she sent them like a, a like a, a magic bottle of wine or something. Magically so drug. Like, champagne, all they had to yeah. do was just like uh, was just say, oh, like uh, your glasses came back from Zatanna. Chloe, Chloe sent tell. me these glasses from Satana. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, where was I? Um, um, so feminism. the dialogue of feminism. So a lot of people say, oh, she's so dumb. She can't tell you Superman. Um, so it's different because like, you know, in the, because also it's also the sort of nice guy narrative of like, uh, you know, oh, of course she's into like the the really like, you know, buff dude, yada, yada. Right. She's not into the nice guy right next Friend to me. Oh, I wear yeah. a fedora. <laughs> 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 Actually, um, the actual hat is is a trilby. Clark Kent wears fedoras. Fedoras are actually pretty cool. Um, I'm saying that for posterity. But the whole thing is like, you know, Lois always falls for the who he actually identifies as. Before Lois and Clark, she fell for Superman because that was the identity. And Lois and Clark, she fell for Clark because Clark was the identity. And all versions after that, she falls for Clark because that is who we have like who we've come to accept is the true like the true person in there. Right. Um, so yeah, Lois and Clark was was the first uh, like show like first anything to do that. Yeah, totally true. Um, do you have like <sighs> favorite episodes that that jump out in your mind? Because like I I I it's so weird when they get into season three and stuff. The show does take a turn, but I I love some of the. Um, like kind of just emotional conversation that they have. There's an episode that uh, don't tug on Superman's cape where they're both stuck in like different cages across the, the way from each other. And it's like this beautiful discussion about love and trust between the two of them in this ridiculous situation. Cause like Riker from Star Trek has them in prison essentially, <laughs> you know, but like, I love stuff like that. Or there's like an episode where they go on a couple's retreat and they're kind of feuding at the same time, but they just like, they they always speak very honestly to each other. And right. like if if you took the lesson from Erica Durant's, maybe that's something that I'd take from them where it's just like it is so much easier just to like, even if the truth is ugly, just tell your significant other what's going on. And if you're if you truly are strong enough, you can get through it. And if right. not, then it should be addressed, you know? But like the, I guess that's kind of 
what I respond to with them when they have hard moments and they still sit and talk it out and, <laughs> and know that they've got the love there, you know? Having only watched, uh, not Smallville, Lois and Clark in its entirety once, mm-hmm. I've seen season two twice. I can't give you exact episodes, but I can give you sure. uh, three Lois Lane moments that I love in the show. Awesome. Um, the first moment is, um, it's a moment from the pilot, and I like it for similar reasons that I love uh, Stiletto. Mm-hmm. It's literally Lois is on her bed crying. I think she's eating chocolate. <laughs> she's eating chocolate. She's, she is and watching chocolate. a soap. Yep. She's watching a soap, and Lucy's in the room, and she's crying because she's single, basically. She's <laughs> yes. like, oh, I'm going to grow old and never have a man or whatever. She doesn't actually say that, but that's her mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like as a workaholic, as someone who is really, really stubborn, like, you know, I love to see that and then think like I see myself in that. And like Mm -hmm. the thing about Lois is she is tough as nails and she's such inspiration. But when you see like those very human moments about her, it like it's even more inspiration because she feels less like an impossible person to try to be like, totally. You know, like I see that and I kind of accept myself and love myself more for it. You know, like Lois Lane has these moments too. Now, that said, I still get really upset when I'm like on dating apps. I'm like, Lois, I never had to mess around with this stuff. <laughs> like, because, oh my gosh, I can't right. believe we made it into like an hour and a half in this podcast and we haven't like said this. But I, whenever I don't know what I'm doing in life, I literally say, what would Lois Lane do? Like, I'm not even joking. Lois Lane is like my mom. Like, I, like, she is my, my, my inspiration as a woman. And like, so when I don't know what I'm doing, I think, what would Lois Lane do? And by the way, it it helps, like, it never not helps me. Um, And uh, that's like (laughs) when I'm like thinking about, oh, is it too, like, should I text back now? Or, you know, is that too soon? Or blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Lois Lane never had to do, deal with this. But anyway, so that moment from the pilot is one of them. The second moment, which is also like a continuing thing, is there's an episode where she ends up in like a yellow chicken suit, right? Uh-huh. Season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, love it. Um, and it also, <laughs> that started the trend of Lois Lane appearing in places in, in costume, costumes, yes. which is one of my favorite th- Lois Lane things. Like one, okay, here's- They do a, that a lot on that show too, but but then did. Erica Durant's just like, hold Came my beard to that, yeah. I know. There's, I think there's even an episode where they show all the things in your closet and it's great. Um, but uh, so- <laughs> I, I love that as a Lois Lane trope, which by the way, it's a, it's, uh, it says a lot about her, her credit to the fact that Lois Lane doesn't have superpowers and she always ends up in the same place as Clark who gets there yes. by listening to people and using his x-ray vision. Right. She's such a good reporter. She's always there. People who say that. That's an um, awesome point. Right. And like uh, actually Gwenda Bond, the writer I spoke about earlier who says Lois Lane is Superman, Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, a question she always got asked, like as a writer for Superman, that people, um, or for Lois Lane, people would say, oh, what, what about when people say that Lois Lane, eh, she always has to get saved by Superman, and eh, I wear a fedora, eh. right. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah. But she's, uh, her response was, Lois Lane is always saved by Superman, but so is the rest of the world. You know, like, totally really. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's two arguments. There's one, she's in those dangerous positions because she's so hyper-qualified that she, like, she gets all that uh, information she needs to know and she gets to the root of the source, mm-hmm. um, the root of the problem. And then also she's saved by, by Superman, but like, you know, literally so is everyone else. Right. Um, but uh, my third moment, this is, uh, this one <laughs> appeals to me uh, uh, <laughs> a lot. Um, it's funny, Matt and I were talking about tattoos before we started recording. Um, there, is a, there is an episode where Lois Lane decides that she wants to get with this rock star. And then she dresses to her like 80s metal nines, Mm -hmm. like a leather vest. She musses her hair up. Wall of sounds like a, like a, 
Yep. She has a, like a, a metal belt on and you know, she, she goes to his concert, she starts dancing and people move out of the way. They part like the Red Sea and they start staring at her. And then, you know, she gets his attention and he like, uh, is like leaning off the stage, like, you know, captivated by her. She's captivated by him and she totally gets the guy. So like, I am of the like rocker aesthetic and I just, I love it on two counts. Like one, like she looks like a badass Mm -hmm. Two. Lois Lane said, I'm going to get that man. And she got that man. And she got it. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, because when it comes down to it, I, I say this is one of the reasons I love Lois Lane. When she wants something, she gets it. When she wants something, she works for it. She makes it happen. And, totally. you know, it was a man in this case. And like, that's really, that's really hot. Yep. But also a man to then figure out what the terrorist plot was in, you know, yeah. like she's still in her space. <laughs> I didn't want to go that. into I that. Love, but yeah. Oh, no. And I love that that's, hey, she got Lex and Clark when she wanted them to. Uh, uh, that's awesome um thank you so much for joining me for this i'm so glad we got to end with terry hatcher first of all um but this has been awesome and and seeing your love for lois has been super cool um we're gonna see more of your love for lois on another podcast soon is that correct we will. Uh, so it's around late January. This episode might come out like early February. Um, so the Lois and Clark uh, show that's coming out, which I wish so badly they were calling Lois and Clark, the new adventures of super fam, but I don't think they're going to call it <laughs> yeah. that. It's just like <laughs> Superman and Lois because it's a CW and they're very literal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I will have a podcast for that because I do think it's very important to have a female fan leading the dialogue on the show. Um, you know, Matt's probably going to come by for a couple episodes. I, I we will have to. a revolving door of hosts from all the networks that like all my geeky friends are a part of. Um, it'll be, I'll start developing in March. Maybe it'll come out March, April. Um, but I will pre, uh, promote the heck out of it when it happens. And I hope you guys uh, will join me and fangirl, fangirl over Lois Lane. Cool. Cool. Cannot wait for that. Cannot wait for that show. Cannot wait for um, it is the same thing like we did with, uh, with Crisis with Zach. Like, um, Zach was so good about getting those episodes out quickly. Not that you had to do it like that night or anything, but like, I can't wait to have oh, I will that, try. <laughs> that discussion. That's amazing that you're going to go for that. Um, but I can't wait to have that discussion kind of like ongoing like that. Cause uh, you know, we we're on a Lois and Clark retrospective podcast right now. And you and I know each other through a Smallville one. The idea of having that being a current conversation is very exciting to me. And I'm glad yeah. that you're heading it and that I won't have to edit it. So that's very exciting. <laughs> and I can't oh wait boy. to listen. And uh, yeah, I'd come anytime. Um, hopefully we can have you back over here in our metropolis at some point too. That'd be awesome. Yeah, um, actually. And, uh, you know, Matt and I have another thing in common. We also like uh, the ladies of Gotham. You know, he's, yes. he's a fan of this thing called Birds of Prey and there's a movie coming out. So yes, there we is. will be talking about that on um, on Always Hold On to Smallville. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be a Patreon exclusive or if it's going to be on the main feed. But Ooh, if it's a Patreon exclusive, yeah. it's worth paying for. It's Just worth saying. the eight bucks. You know, Our takes are worth down. paying for, guys. Um, Don't you yeah. love this energy? Don't you want to pay for it? <laughs> for anyone who wants to hear more of us, like I've been over on um, Zach's Always Hold On to Smallville Patreon doing Birds of Prey lately. And Lauren, you're all over um, guest starring on the main feed on <laughs> Lois and Clark, uh, or Lois and Clark uh, on Smallville, Smallville <laughs> with... Um, uh, going back to, I think you came on in season four when, when Lois came yeah. on. Right? Usually yeah. the, the Lois Lane centric episodes in uh, every season until it just becomes like full blown Lois. I'll probably be on. Oh, gee, why? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, go check it. Um, anywhere else that we can find you online? Um, you can find me just about anywhere by searching at Lauren Nuckalwin. Uh, you'll see a lot of uh, hot takes on Twitter. You know, come talk to me. Um, you know, I, like Matt was someone who I, who I didn't know. We like sort of met through like the zeitgeist of fandom and like, you know, 
this is like the first time we're really talking, but you yeah. seem like a friend for, for life now. So yeah, this is good. Yeah. This is also why this uh, conversation has been so all over the place. Also, I have not hosted a podcast in forever guys, as you know. Um, but this has been fun. Lauren, thank you for, you know, spelunking through podcasting with me. On this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, for Lois and Clark, I'm Matt Truex. I'm Lauren Wynn. Folk off, everybody. We'll see you next time. 